Hi everybody and welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast. Before we go into it, just a huge thank you to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Assistance and S&G Response and of course our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Another fantastic and insightful conversation coming up, so enjoy. All right, so let's get ourselves moving uh, into today's session. And as always, uh, I like to put a little disclaimer at the start of the session just to uh, ensure and perhaps provide a little bit of peace of mind in terms of where we're going with this. Um, The views and opinions uh, of those expressed during the following webinar, those of the individual contributors and do not represent or necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the contributors, employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual. Please respect any all contributions and we encourage you to join the conversation via the interactive functions available. So plenty to get through, as I say, and uh, Big welcome to our panellists today. So we've got uh, Ollie Chambers, Director of Sales and Operations at Integral. We've got Gary DeGroot, uh, Business Development Director at Innovation Group. And we've got John Parker, Business Development Director at Penning. So welcome along, guys. Thank you. Great to have you joining us today. Really, really appreciate your time. And uh, as I'm sure the rest of the industry does. Um, We'll start things off. We'll just have a little kind of skip around. Just again, we're very keen to kind of move the conversation on as much as we possibly can. So we're kind of looking, you know, when we talk last couple of weeks, this week, and then the emerging kind of, you know, what we think is to come. But um, just to give a, apply a little bit of context in terms of yourselves, if you could just give us a very brief kind of background in terms of, you know, where you've come from in the industry, uh, current job role, and, and just a little insight in terms of how things have impacted on the business recently. So, Ollie, I'll come to you first, if I may. Thanks, Mark. Hello, everybody. Hope everyone out there is uh, safe and well. Um, little introduction to myself, Ollie Chambers, Sales and Operations Director of Integral UK. Um, what is that? What is Integral? It's uh, a global software business, a SaaS business that was created by Enterprise Rent-A-Car and Enterprise Holdings in the back end of 2019, operating from five locations across North America and UK. We've got 230 employees, uh, 140 of them based in our headquarters in Madison, uh, 25 in California, 25 in St. Louis, and 40 spread across two locations in the UK. And our purpose in life is to simplify complex problems for uh, the claim supply chain. Uh, And that means that we use our technology our position to connect people, systems, data to deliver better customer solutions for the supply and claims industry. Bit of background to that, obviously many on the uh, web will know me as working at Enterprise for 15 years now, so I'm uh, one of the lifers, Uh, and I've worked all across our replacement insurance sector, so dealing with insurers, body shops, and the like as we've gone forward. And so using all that knowledge today in our in our brand new uh, global software business. So that's me. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Ollie. And John, I'll come across to you now. John Parker, um, Business Development Director at Pennings Group. Um, I've had quite a long history in the industry, right from repairing cars, three body shops owned, um, design, co-design, body master, and worked for the last... 10 years around the world, America, Dubai, Australia, et cetera. 
Um, joined um, the paintings group just over a year ago. Um, I'm currently the business development director, which puts quite a lot of things on my plate. Um, and uh, yeah, exciting. Pennings uh, is a, um, a body shop group of three large body shops to be repairing sort of between 60 and 80 vehicles um, each uh, per week. Um, we're supported by 10 repair pods. We have repair pods limited business and um, repair pods on the whole work for the uh, mobility, the car mobility rental sector uh, as a dedicated solution. And we operate a spoken hub solution with the pods that so are quite unique in that, in that respect. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed, John. And Gary, over to you. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. And uh, thanks, Mark, for inviting me on. Always good to have a reason to get dressed for the day. So very much appreciate <laughs> um, Yeah, hi, everyone. Gary DeGroote, Business Development Director at the Innovation Group. Um, I've been working in the TPA sector now for the last 12 years. Relatively new to IG, started at the beginning of this year, so only been there for five months. But as I'm sure everyone can appreciate that five months, bearing in mind everything that's happened feels uh, quite a lot longer than that, to be honest with you. Um, just a quick introduction to Innovation Group. So we are a cradle-to-grave motor and property claim specialists, uh, dealing with everything from ethanol and repair management to sort of complex liability decisions and catastrophic case management as well. Uh, like the majority of companies that you've had on here over the last few weeks, the effect on claims numbers for us has been quite significant. So we bottomed out in the UK at about 25% of our normal volume. Uh, but over the last fortnight, with the sort of relaxation of lockdown, we've seen that increase up to about 35% and then 40% last week. So there's some very grateful indications of, of recovery there, uh, which, are, which are nice to see. Um, we're a global business, so the effects that, that this has had has not just hit us in the UK, but in other territories as well, uh, particularly Spain, which I'll come on to sort of later on in the session as there's some parallels between what they've been through and what we're going through uh, at the moment. Uh, interesting to note, and I, I saw this on last week's webinar, Mark, as well, that Germany has sort of suffered nowhere near the impact that we have here in the UK. Uh, volume levels there bottomed out around 55%, and they're sort of back up to 80% now. So I think proof that they're not only better at penalty shootouts than us, that potentially dealing with a global pandemic as well. Uh, I think for the purposes of today, though, sort of really want to concentrate in the future and set, sort of share our plans and insights with everyone on how we anticipate re-emerging from this and, and what the new normal looks like. So thank you very again, very much again for the invite and uh, looking forward to it. Absolute pleasure. Well, thank you all for those uh, little insights. So we'll skip across and what we'll do is have a little look in terms of the first kind of data set that we've got. So uh, CAPS came on a couple of weeks ago now. Kevin Thompson, commercial manager of CAPS, came on and shared with us the data insight that um, they're now producing on a weekly basis. Again, those who are interested to receive that, Kevin sends those out on a Monday. Uh, and it's obviously of the previous week in terms of the analysis. So give uh, drop Kevin a line if you want to be added to that. But uh, what we're seeing is so unique claims, first and foremost, definitions, uh, a claim that is initiated and seen for the first time. Uh, as a single count. Then we've got the supply chain transmissions. So the unique claims plus any additional transmission on the same claim. Uh, notification to parts vendors, for example. Uh, CAPS has no insight in terms of the actual kind of uh, claim itself, uh, the type uh, of incident or anything, but it certainly has visibility of any transactions or transmissions, should I say, that are taking place. Um, and 
So if we look, it's kind of good news, I suppose, for our industry. Um, so last week we talked about figures were a percent down um, in terms of actual unique claims and the uh, supply chain transmissions were down a little bit more. Um, and we kind of put that to the fact that businesses were starting to gear up and starting to maybe accept claims. Um, and then this week uh, we've seen, or should I say last week, pre-bank holiday weekend, a uh, 14% increase increase in terms of the claims uh, and a 12 uh, or 13 percent should I say increase uh, in terms of the notice or transmissions so again just a, an indication that uh, body shops are getting back to business which is a great thing uh, starting to process uh, the notifications that are out there and obviously with supply chain transmissions as well that's obviously a good sign supports everything estimates are now being created parts orders mobility being sourced etc this number so the 48 percent supply chain transmissions again ollie very shortly is going to give us a, a further insight into what's happening there but that's kind of the key number in terms of the data set that Integral has uh, has worked to and can provide a much, uh, if you like, further in insight in terms of regional behaviours on that. Again, just looking regionally in terms of the CAPS insights. Um, so this follows a request really from the initial release of the, of the uh, information that Kevin made. Uh, people started to ask the questions in terms of regionality of this activity. So we can see increases, specifically East Midlands, Republic of Ireland, uh, South East and South West uh, claims activity increases over that uh, past week. And if we move on again, 14 day analysis. Um, so the broken red line is kind of the previous week uh, with the blue dots. The green line with the orange dots is last week's activity. So you can see kind of peaks and troughs. Some have moved on uh, more claims in certain areas. Some have backed off a little bit. From that, you know, you can't really draw any conclusions as yet, but it's moving feast at the moment and there's sort of plenty of activity out there in the market. Now, what I want to do is uh, hand over to Ollie at Integral because he's uh, created uh, a nice and neat little activity heat map for the industry. Um, and he's going to take over the screen in a second and share the insights that... Uh, they've managed to create an integral. So, Ollie, over to you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, can everyone see my screen? Uh, fellow participants, thank you. Uh, so, give you everyone a bit of background, um, and thanks for the kudos, Mark. I had nothing to do with the development of this. Um, when you say it's something that I've developed, that, that's all my uh, friends and colleagues here and in North America. So what you're about to see is a, a primary focus at Integral, although we are an external SaaS business, our biggest customer is our rental uh, parents. And so what we're uh, trying to do with our insights map was the, the mantra of the rental repair is right safety, right speed, right cost, uh, and to cut out unnecessary waste in our, in our overall repair process. Um, and so the coming into covid the purpose of this map was to understand um, the relation between repair and rental and whether our repair network was in a sufficient location to cover our growing rental branches. Um, and so that was the purpose of, of the, some of the software that we were developing alongside tracking and managing the claims as they were going through. However, during COVID, we had to switch our mantra to trying to help the rental business, which has obviously had a 
a huge uh, downward turn in terms of overall volumes, same as everybody else has talked about, the 25% um, uh, mantra. And so we were trying to work out, okay, if we're going to run a short network, where is it best to stay open? Where is it best to close down? And then monitor it. So the blue line that Mark just talked about earlier, the supply chain transmissions, we ourselves, we get that from caps on the rental uh, and we monitor where that's coming from so that we, we know that we've got customers requiring a rental. And so what we started to do uh, at the beginning of April, and I can walk you through the high level, um, the view of it, as well as the numbers that go alongside it. So at the beginning of April, we saw the industry very, very sharply down to about 510 shops that were uh, transmitting secondary data. So that's them coming over to the ARM system at Enterprise, trying to see if we have a rental car that's going on. It's a pretty standard uh, process. So that was 510 at the beginning of April. And fast forward towards the end of April, and we saw an uptick of only about 20 more shops open and starting to process work through. And then as we get into May, we see a sudden jump from 530 shops up to 612 shops. So now the UK coverage is growing as people are starting to get out and about a bit more. And then following that, we decided to, to track it more weekly now rather than fortnightly. So 15th of May, we saw 668 shops were now fully open uh, across the UK and uh, culminating in last Friday, where we saw our biggest ever number since COVID began of 730 repairers who are seemingly open in some way, shape or form. And the reason we know this is the repairs are getting processed because the 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 caps uh, transmissions are coming to us trying to find out if there's an interest in in a rental on that side. So that's that's useful information to know where the shops are open. But the one thing that doesn't tell us is where are claims actually happening. So we might be having areas of the country where shops are open, but there's no claims happening. So what we did was we went away from the cap side of things and actually looked at where we were seeing physical claim data coming through. So we have three areas that we can go. We have our claims business, uh, which Enterprise runs. We have the rental transactions that are linked to an insurance repair, an insurance claim. And so when we look at the overall claims volume that we're seeing across all our metrics, we then started to overlay that data on here. And for this, I'm going to zoom in slightly onto the map. And I'm going to concentrate, and I've got some information based on um, hotspots and, and, and heat spots. So during this CAPS transaction period, we moved from Gary's number of 25%, and we're seeing an increase up to about 35% normal volume over that over the two-month period, culminating in last Friday. And to echo Gary's point, the last two weeks have seen a, a much suddener spike in those transactions. We're seeing a, a return to just shy of 45% only in the last four. So to double that up, what we've started to do is look at where a claim is actually happening by postcode. So if I were to look at uh, the start of this whole process, we were, we were tracking certain amount of claims activity, but you can see there's not that many hotspots going on, okay? And it's difficult to show you on here the exact hotspots because I have to zoom right in. But we were seeing a, around about that 25% mark at the beginning of April. Fast forward through to back end of last week, and we were, we were starting to see a much, much higher volume of claims coming through. And if I go down in particular to certain geographical areas. And I want to concentrate a little bit on this, this uh, area here. So from Romford 
through Barking and up to Enfield. Between those three areas and the, the, the yellow circles here are where claims are happening through to the darker blue colour where we're seeing the highest volume. So as the shade gets darker, it shows that there's more claims happening in those postcodes. And when I say postcodes, it's the first three or four prefixes, your RM3s or your armware ones or your E12s. We can't, because of GDPR, we can't go any further than that in plotting this. So this is located within 10 miles of a certain prefix of a postcode. So between Romford and Enfield, uh, Romford and Enfield, in the past uh, month of May, that's equated for about 5% of all of the UK claims volumes that we're seeing happening in that corridor just in there between uh, the, the chimney pots up here. The other spike that we've seen, if I go further up the UK, we are starting to see um, more and more claim activity in the East Midlands corridor. So if I go up to Leicester and Derby and from this kind of area, that between the Leicester, Derby, Burton triangle in here, Nottingham, we're seeing just over 4% again of UK claim volume going on in, in this region here. And then further up north, if I go up to Scotland, we're also seeing a spike in uh, what's going on in Edinburgh. So Edinburgh, for example, on its own, is equated to just over 2% of all the claim volume activity that we've seen in the month of May. Okay, so we're starting to track not only where claims are happening and where shops are open, but also we're tracking the hotspots of where claims are taking place. So in the last fortnight, as I said, as volumes have suddenly ticked up, we've seen in particular uh, an interesting case study is down in the southwest of England. So in the southwest from your, from your Devon and Cornwalls uh, down to the south coast, we're beginning to see a huge spike in claims that are occurring in that part of the country from Exeter all the way down south. That's now getting trending upwards um, in a big way. The same can be said for North Manchester as well. The, the region of, of just above North Manchester, uh, we're seeing a spike in the last two weeks there as well. And the final one that we've noticed is in the West London Slough area, starting to catch up to East London in terms of claim volume coming through. <laughs> And so we, we, we were tracking this to try and identify and help the rental operations understand where best to reopen a branch or open a branch or not have a branch open. And where you can see you've got heat clouds, where you've got claims going on, but you haven't actually got anything open, or you're the other way around, you've got shops that are open but no claims going on. This is the kind of information that we've been trying to track so that we can best understand uh, how to... Uh, start to plan for coming out the back of the COVID-19 uh, problem because we anticipate this trend is going to grow and then maybe stagnate because we think that people are processing claims and booking them in, but we're, we're worried about a spike in claims and then falling off um, that we're not going to see a, a continual spike. We'll see a short spike and then a lull and then potentially picking up again in September. So this is the information that we're tracking. We've got information on 220 postcode areas um it's, we haven't got enough time today to go through every single one but we are tracking the the highest volume areas through to the lowest volume areas but between april and may we saw an increase of activity from 200 postcodes up to 225 postcodes and claim volume go from 25 percent of normal volume up to 35 percent of normal volume 
So as it stands in the last two weeks, as I said, we're tracking near a 45% of, of previous volumes. Um, how long that continues, we don't know, but we'll definitely track it in, uh, in the Network Insights map that we've got. So uh, I'll throw it back to you, Mark, and see if we've got any questions or... You are very kind indeed. Well, thank you very much for that. In, in terms of that, Ollie, and whilst, whilst we're still on the subject, um, you know, if people want more insights or want to talk to you, how are we, are we can we, you know, are we going to track it weekly? Is there sort of an update that you can give us so we can kind of broadcast a general overview? Yeah, so we, we can uh, do one or two things. We can do it on a weekly kind of update uh, um, on here, uh, or we do have ways of getting people access to it to start tracking their own um, areas and own regions. So if people want to contact me, they can do either from uh, uh, through yourselves or directly through LinkedIn. Um, as I said, we, we've, got, we've got ways that we can create access to give people regional information. It's useful to both insurers. We've got a lot of insurers asking us about policy count versus claim count and where, they're, where they've got repairers open. And we've got repairers asking, should I open in this area? Should I open full-time, 50%, 25%? Um, so we're trying our best to manage both sides and help people um, from the information that we can provide. And as I said, it's one source of information. Everyone's got loads of you know, their own points. So you know, feel free to contact me and we can, uh, we can discuss it more. Great stuff. Thank you very much indeed, Ollie. A really, really good insight there. And, and John, I'll come across to you. Um, in terms of that challenge that, that kind of Ollie's just pointed out, it, it, you know, it's been something that we've touched upon in previous weeks, bringing staff back in off furlough, you know, quantity, how do you manage that? When is the time right? How, you know, is the Pennings business coping with all of these, these current challenges, if you like? Yeah, good question, Mark. Um, we have a, probably a slightly unique position in the fact that we do repair quite a lot of rental vehicles and many of the rental companies aren't yet in a position to repair vehicles, even though we have quite a lot on site. Um, what we're really concerned about is a, a large amount of whip that we actually carry at the moment, um, burning through that too quickly, bringing back maybe quite a few people and then finding that overall claims volumes beyond that drop. So, we could end up effectively a spike for a few weeks. We don't want to obviously put people on furlough, and obviously if it lasts too long, we won't be able to put people on furlough, I imagine. Um, so it is a challenge um, as when you bring people back. That, that work that Ollie has done there is really, really useful um, because being one of our customers, you know, they will certainly know when and at what time to switch on, and we have very, very good and strong dialogue um, going on all the time um, with with many of our customers, so we're we're pretty clear as when we can start repairing for some of them. At the moment, we have um, two sites open. We have Watford and um, Skyport open. Um, we're about to open Milton Keynes on Monday, another big shop of ours, and then we're opening a brand new facility down in Perfleet on Monday as well. And that was put on hold because the pandemic decided to strike just at the wrong time there so we're 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 um, starting up again on monday we're starting from scratch on monday there so interesting times challenging times uh, and, I, and i guess ultimately the most important thing here is to bring people back in a safe manner and when they're comfortable to do so yeah definitely and you you are a, a unique business you now we, we've had sort of you know repairers of of all sorts of shapes and sizes on over the past few weeks pennings as you've already stated you know three big 
repair sites, if you like, um, and obviously the, the repair pod. So how has each of those separate entities been impacted? Has it, has it been completely different for, for each business unit, if you like, or, or are the challenges still the same? We enjoy many of the same customers across the three large body shops. There are some differences. So to some extent, um, we've, we've tried to um, learn by opening Watford first um, and then move on to opening Milton Keynes next week and I say Leighton Buzzard the week after. Um, and we've learned a lot. This last week, uh, opening Watford has been really, really interesting. Um, repair pods, uh, so we've got um, a couple of pods, one open, couple opening now. Those are very much dependent on the customer because they're a one-to-one relationship with the customer, a dedicated facility to repair Aussie vehicles with a very, very low key to key time. Um, so we're just sort of in dialogue, sitting, waiting, and having discussions. Uh, but there, are, it's, it's now it's now starting to move, um, which is nice. I, I think many people feel we need to be getting back to work now and really cracking on. Yeah. All right, great stuff, Gary. I'll come across to you. Um, so again, in terms of innovation group, we had uh, we had Jordan on a, uh, well five or six weeks ago now. Goodness me! Um, but how is you know how how's the business shaping up currently? You've obviously already sort of suggested in terms of volumes are moving in the right direction for all of us, which is a good thing. Um, but you know how are those kind of you know relationships? How you're managing that dynamic between you know taking the work in and, and uh, distributing it the other side, really? Yeah, I, th- I think, Mark, for us, there's probably four four pieces of information that we're trying to bring in to determine how and when we bring people back into the business. So, number one, and it's quite simplistic, is just around volume. Um, you know, what Ollie's provided there is really, really useful. You know, there's no historical comparison to use here to be able to say this is how we expect it to move to. So, you know, looking at those volumes on a day-by-day basis to see how that's manoeuvring is is about as best as we can do in terms of trying to understand the, the, the current situation. Uh, I think for us as well, we've probably got the advantage, as I mentioned earlier, of our global operations. So Spain in particular has been has been really, really interesting. You know, everything you've read about Spain sort of suggests that from a pandemic perspective, they've been mirroring what we've had but perhaps three to four weeks ahead of us uh, in terms of the developmental factors and also their, their re-emergence from lockdown as well. Uh, what we saw there was, was a reduction in volume down to 25% of, of expected uh, volume, which is exactly where we were from the UK. But they're now back at over 70%. Um, and whilst there are sort of slight differences in the, the, the DNA of their society, they do have a government ret- job retention scheme out there as well. So there are some direct parallels that we can draw upon. And I hope that, you know, in three to four weeks time, we're at the sort of levels that those guys are as well. And, and we can take some data from that. Uh, I think number three, and we're all doing it, is just keeping an eye on government policy as well. You know, watching the number two, and uh, updates daily to see you know where, where they're moving things to and what the expectations will be for the next month and, and beyond that as well. And I think number four, and it's, it's quite an important one, is just trying to, to get a feel for the public opinion or the, the national psych, if you will. Uh, I don't know sort of what everyone else's experience of this is, but I've certainly noticed a much more relaxed attitude from the public over the last three or four weeks to, you know, even as you're going on your daily walk along the park, you know, just... The, the consciousness of social distancing and stuff like that, people just feel much more relaxed. And I think that coupled with, you know, relaxations in government policy is going to see people getting out more, using their vehicle more, and therefore sort of volumes increasing on the back of that. Okay. 
Brilliant. Brilliant. Ollie, I'll come back to you. Um, some great feedback coming in on the uh, on the chat there in terms of the data insight that you've just provided. So uh, bravo to your team and, rather than you, and obviously. My, uh, my COVID haircut as well, which has uh, attracted a lot of attention, I can see. <laughs> well, I've seen some of your colleagues' haircuts, so uh, <laughs> yours is quite a good one. Um, in terms of the global uh, kind of uh, perspective, Gary's already referenced Spain there. Um, you've obviously got global operations or insights from uh, from various countries. Again, is there any sort of trend country that you would kind of point towards and think, you know, that that's the one we're we're following potentially, or you know, it'd be nice if we did follow that in terms of re-emergence. I think everyone would agree it'd be nice to follow Germany's lead. Um, however, we have to understand the uh, the macro landscape in Germany. It's a federal state. Not every state had the same level of lockdown that we have here. So certainly in the north of Germany didn't really see much of a lockdown. Um, so volumes didn't drop by more than kind of 20% uh, because they're much better at social distancing, etc. So north end of Germany is probably uh, the exception. Um, and then as you go further south, we saw a bit more of a heavier lockdown. But back to Gary's point, you know, we're probably two or three weeks behind. I think Spain re-emerged quicker than France has uh, in terms of activity. Uh, France is still on the, on the slow burn, um, a bit more cautious. Uh, but Spain and France have an advantage that they're much more rural. And so we're seeing outside of maybe Madrid and Barcelona, uh, Gary, uh, you're seeing the rural conurbations getting back to normal much quicker. Here, because we've got such a denser population, it might take us a bit longer. And going back to an earlier point, one of the things that I think we need to watch for is an early spike in repairs, because a lot of the claims that are coming through now, certainly in the last two weeks, a heavy, heavy percentage of them are non-drivable. That's why they're going in and that's why they're going through. Once you get the volume of drivables that are being parked up, you might see a sudden spike and then a drop. And that's going to put repairers in a, in a sticky situation because that plateauing of claim volume um, will cause issues around staffing, whether to bring people back or not, et cetera. And the other thing about Germany is their furlough schemes, multi-months. It's not a set defined time. They've already announced they've pushed it out to a long way. So I think if we can get somewhere like Northern Germany, I think we'll be in good shape. But I, I would just watch... Uh, I would just watch that spike in claim volume. Uh, watch the non-drivers versus drivers and think about what the drivers might do. I think my on that as well is a concern that everyone's got is that what we don't want to be doing realistically is de-furloughing staff because there's a huge spike in volume that isn't sustainable for the next three to four months and then having to re-furlough those same people. And so there's a difficult balance between getting the people back in place to be able to deal with the immediate workload, but also making sure that that workload is going to be sustainable for a, for a period of time as opposed to just a two, three-week spike before it sort of reduces again. Does that, on that note, John, does that, does that change the dynamic of how you know, pennings operate. So, so we're talking about kind of non-drivables coming in at the moment in terms of the, those repairs. They are the ones that people can't drive. Um, there seems to be kind of, you know, again, anecdotally, um, drivables out there that have been kind of notified of claims, but people are still using until the time is right that they can come in. Does that, will that determine how you shape the business? You know, is it all geared at the moment for those heavy hits? And then at some stage, will you kind of, you know, back that off? Or will it be business as normal? Or will it all of a sudden, you know, be for those uh, smaller repair jobs that start to come in perhaps? I think all these things are, uh, you know, you're trying to read a crystal ball. 
um, that, uh, that doesn't really tell the future very well. Um, so that it, it is a challenge. Um, one, one approach that we've, we've made um, over, over the last um, while, we've tried to bring in more and more multi-skilled staff. Um, we've, from furlough, we've brought in multi-skilled first. And we've done that because volumes are low. What we don't want is to have technicians standing around. So if you, for example, were an MET technician and all you did was heavy MET stuff and, all, and then suddenly we saw a, a load of light work come in, you'd have somebody standing around. So bringing multiple, multi-skilled people back into the business first has meant we've been able to keep people busy and then bring them in one at a time as we find a bottleneck across either a sort of MET panel or a panel paint uh, technician, et cetera. So that's been our approach and it seems to be working quite well at the moment. Um, and I guess, you know, in the next one or two weeks, we'll be bringing in some of the, what we might call the sort of heavy single, single skill hitters, you know, who, who can do extremely skilled and technical work, um, but are, are generally slightly limited to what they can do. Does that make sense? Uh, so they are strangely enough coming in last, whereas probably initially you think these are the guys we're going to bring in first. Uh, so that, that's been our approach. And we're very lucky we've got a lot of those. And also repair pods is, is effectively a, a, a multi-skilled technician or technicians in, multi, in, in repair pods anyway. Um, but we, we try and replicate that across body shops so that we can get as much continuous workflow as we can through the system. Because key to key obviously is vitally important under normal circumstances repairing vehicles. But today that sort of has gone out of the window a little bit. We're obviously still trying to push it. But at the end of the day, it's trying to you know, juggle quite a few balls in the air. It's, it's a little bit more difficult at the moment. And I have to say that um, our, many of our customers have been unbelievably understanding and unbelievably helpful in trying to support us to enable us to get vehicles out. Great. That's good. Good to hear. Good to hear. And again, it's another sign where the industry, you know, does uh, does pull together and, and help each other out. So midway through this podcast and just a little reminder in terms of our corporate partners and partners, they're the people who enable us uh, to do these things. So a huge thank you to Asus, BMS, CAPS, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Assistance and SMG Response and our partners, the Green Park Specialist in Data and Innovation Group. Hope you're enjoying the webinar. Gary, coming, coming back to you, um, we, we've kind of you know, spoken about in terms of re-emergence, but are there you know, kind of critical timelines, indicators that within your business you're using um, you know, to say it's almost, you know, business is back to normal or, we, you know, is there a certain point where you need to flick a switch and do something different? What, what are you kind of, you know, where are, you, where are your sights set, I suppose, really, at the moment? Is it a week's time? Is it two weeks' time or, or you know, timelines on those? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it's day by day, Mark, in, in, in reality. There's, there's a number of things that you need to factor in. You know, you, you're looking at volume, obviously, and that's going to play into it. You're also looking at your, your, your service levels as well and, and how they're performing. So, you know, you've got a job to do in terms of delivering for your clients. And if those start to slip, then you need to start reintroducing people back into your business as well. I think as well, it's probably quite important to listen to the people on the ground. Uh, so those numbers are great. But if we've got, you know, a team leader telling us that in spite 
despite the fact he's able to deliver week on week, they're completely understaffed and really struggling to, to meet those requirements, then we, we need to listen to that as well and think about how we bring people back into the business as well. So there's a lot of ways we need to juggle it around and, and take different sorts of feedback before we make our make our decisions. But ultimately, we're doing it day by day, Mark. You know, that's the only way that we can do it right now. We can try to forecast as much as possible. And we have, you know, if we've got a 5% increase in volume, we're going to bring X amount of staff back. But things are, are just so unpredictable right now that even the best modelling in the world is not going to account for every scenario. So we need to be quite nimble around what we're actually seeing as opposed to trying to strategize everything, I think. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, um, as you say, agility is probably key right now. And, and Ollie, in, in the same sense, really, in terms of that big organisation that, that you work for, you know, how are you kind of navigating your way through it, really? Is it, is it a day by day approach as, as well? Is there, you know, certain three, five scenarios that you're working to? Yeah, I think there's uh, a couple of things. There's sense checking with uh, peers and colleagues in and around the industry. You know, sense checking, are, are we all on the same thought process? Uh, are we all expecting to see similar things? So you can model all the way through to September, um, but it has to be based on the government decisions week by week. Um, and so uh, that, that's that's the most important thing. I also think we have to have a conversation around what does a repair look like post-COVID. I don't think we've quite bottomed out, for example, the duty of care element around cleaning, uh, around that kind of process. I think that needs a further discussion. Um, and I think that we also need to look at how the future workflow needs to be more streamlined. So better connectivity between partners, better connectivity within the shop itself, um, so that if it, it, so it puts less pressure on staffing levels, so that if more can be done um, in a connected world, then the, you know it, it does take away that pressure of uh, bringing people back too early and then not having to them or you suddenly get a spike and you can't bring people back quick enough. So I think we need to have a look at those two areas and kind of bottom out what the future of repair is going to look like as we're modeling through it. Interesting. Very interesting. And, and John, you, you've already referenced learnings from, from a reopening Watford. Um, you know, what, what, I suppose, what are the takeaways that you, you are learning day by day in, in terms of as you reemerge? Well, I guess the obvious one is that a body shop is unique as a business in the fact that it needs a, full deck of vehicles coming in all the time in order for it to make money. It must be running at 100% um, uh, in order to run. If you go to a hairdresser's or to a clothes shop or a bookstore, then clearly people wander in and out and footfalls sometimes is great, sometimes it's not so great, and they still manage to make money. Body shops, if they're running at 90%, don't make money. So when we're running at, say, 40%, we're certainly not making money. So the obviously most significant costs are staff, so one of the things that we've not learned, but it common sense says that obviously our technicians earn us money, but and then they're supported by all of our, our front of house and supporting staff around them. Um, we need to keep those supporting staff as lightweight as possible because you know, we're still you know, obviously hemorrhaging you know, large amounts of fixed costs around you know, courtesy vehicles, which there are plenty of them sitting there just you know, gathering dust at the moment. Um, so we, we need to manage that balance between technicians and what I hatefully call non-productive staff, which of course is ridiculous. But, um, so, you know, that, that whatever X amount per hour that we, we get paid has to pay for everybody. And it only, only occurs when people put work through the workshop. So that balance between bringing back, um, non-productive and productive staff is quite critical. And it certainly is, it's certainly critical in areas like drivers, 
drivers have sort of two unique issues. One is some, suddenly it can be quite a glut of vehicles to collect, and then you're thinking, well, do I pull drivers off further? Or uh, in, in many cases, myself and, and uh, Ga- Gary and Matthew jump in a car and go and get stuff uh, because it's, a, it's the cheapest way of doing it at the moment. Uh, but that said, um, you know, we also have an issue moving forward around drivers and social distancing and you know, so lots and lots of challenges. And I sort of stuck my hand up and volunteered to do the uh, COVID-19 governance um, and we've put a sort of 20-page risk assessment together and been through every single site and cupboard and kitchen and work area and canteen and laid out what we need to be doing and have been putting all of those, those in place because, you know, getting people back to work, they have to feel safe uh, because people, I think, I think, I think as Ollie or, or Gary mentioned earlier, you know, people are a bit more relaxed about it now. Having said that, there are some people that are not relaxed about it at all. Um, and I've tried very hard to try and analyze the statistics coming from, um, you know, the ONS and other, other, other bodies to try and really understand where the real risks are here and what, what, you know, what, what we need to be doing. I do fear that, you know, post COVID there'll be a bunch of solicitors jumping on this one, like a, you know, that's, that's, that's a worry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mark, one last thing as well, in terms of learnings that we've gone through is that, you know, from a motor claims perspective, this has really highlighted what a sort of fragile ecosystem we all operate within as well. You know, we need we need insurers and MGAs, we need TPAs and claims management companies, we need repairers and everyone associated with the supply chain. And, you know, whilst we all inevitably operate independently of one another, it goes without saying, we're ultimately part of the same solution that a customer buys. And this has really, for me, highlighted the, the connectivity between all of those parties involved and in some cases brought everyone a lot closer together as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. And I think that's, you know, something that's been highlighted in, in previous weeks, um, the willingness for, for everyone to communicate and uh, and provide their own insights. And in terms of that, Gary, then, you know, kind of what are you specifically, what are you learning as, as a business, if you like? Um, you know, it's kind of a simple question, but, you know, what, what are you specifically having your eyes opened up to that, that's perhaps changed and maybe you didn't realise uh, before? Yeah, I think, um, I think, that working from home is a practical solution. You know, like many companies, we dabbled in working from home. We had certain people that were home-based, but we never fully endorsed it as a normal part of our working strategy. And that's going to change more moving forward inevitably. You know, we've invested so much in terms of technology and getting people set up from home that there is, you know, inevitably going forward, going to be a blend between home working and office working. And actually it is a sustainable way to, to actually do work as well. So that's that's been a success. I think one of the big things for me uh, that this has highlighted that, you know, anything you spend on technology is probably more of an investment than it is a cost. And it should be seen that way as well. Uh, not just from a motor claims perspective, but if you look at society in general, you know, if this had happened even at the start of the millennium, the difference that it would have made with the, you know, the restrictions that we had on technology at the time would have been so, so different to be honest with you. So um, I think, you know, any company that's invested in tech over the last five years and continues to do so going forward is probably going to reap the, the dividends of that uh, coming out the back of this as well. Uh, and I think actually 
one of the one of the key things that we've learned as well is is communication is really important, but also the way that we communicate with each other as well. Certainly found internally, and actually a lot of other businesses that I've spoken to that um, probably addressing our staff differently because they're working from home. So making you know just general check-ins with them to ensure that you know from the personal and professional perspective they've got the correct setup and the right dynamic there to be able to you know be as productive as they can be working from home. I'm not sure that that approach is generally taken when people are in the office and I'd like to see that that sort of form of communication and the way not just doing that but the way businesses are sharing information about their progression plans in terms of coming out the back of this that continues after and we have a much more personalized approach to, to communication that we've seen to have adopted during uh, during this this situation brilliant great insight great insight um ollie coming to you um time we, we've kind of you know we've touched on it. it's great that we've talked a lot about the kind of the human side of things right now and i think we're probably at that point as we start to re-emerge um you know cash flows has been a obvious point of conversation over previous uh, months uh, weeks sorry um where various you know grants and loans have come into play uh, specifically for body shops but you know how how critical i suppose is time right now for, for us as a as an industry as a whole uh, so time is critical, but I think for a couple of reasons. One, um, we have an opportunity now to define what the future looks like from the top of the chain all the way to the bottom of the chain and vice versa. The ecosystem that Gary talked about, how we interact with each other, how we interact with our employees, um, you know, the, the uh, non-productives, as John put it, or the, what you maybe call it customer service teams or whatever, you know, is there a need to bring those guys back? Can they not just stay working from home using the technology that they've got? Um, being able to work from anywhere is going to be important. But I think the time that we take now to look at the model going forward is critical because if we get to September and suddenly there's a vaccine on the horizon, people are out and about up to 80%, we will lose that time and nothing will ever change. And so now is the time to make those conversations get everybody together talk about what the new world should look like and also to bottom out what are the complexities that we're not talking about right now so working through the process of a repair from ethanol through to invoice and payment where is there an opportunity to improve because of this not despite it but because of it so that going forward we're much more efficient and much more streamlined than we were going into it and also, uh, one of the things that we've been looking at is while people are working from home and they're not necessarily in the, now is the time to check in on their well-being and their mental health as well, because people are sat at home probably for the first time in 30 years doing nothing. And so making sure that everybody in your workforce is safe and well, I think is absolutely crucial right now. Great stuff. Well said. Excellent, excellent stuff. And John, John, coming to you in terms of a repairer, again, you know, how, how critical is time in terms of those cash flows, in terms of those volumes, in terms of the personnel management, all these, you know, bits and pieces um, that, that build a business and, and survive, you know, help it flourish, really? I think time is uh, it is quite critical. I mean, obviously, we've all had sort of a couple of months to sort of perhaps have a little bit of a, a reset. It's very rare you get two months off work. Um, and we've been able to reflect a little bit uh, as to what we need to be doing. Um, I guess from a cash flow perspective, I, I'm sure for many body shops, cash is going to be a really, really big problem. And I'm sure for many of their customers, having body shops are a little bit wobbly is not going to be a very comfortable feeling for them either. 
So, you know, communication is, is critical. Uh, picking up on what Ollie said, I think uh, sort of an end-to-end approach of how we deal with claims through repairs, uh, invoicing, etc., is something that really does need a good look at. I mean, I, I've come into the penning's business and lifted, you know, uh, lots of stones up. And I guess one of the real shocking things is the, the work that, you know, our estimators and teams at the, at the front desks have, you know, so, so many different contracts with so many different SLAs and so many different rules and so many different things have to populate and poke in and type and rekey. It's really quite daft. As an industry, we should, we should be able to sort that one out because um, I think most of our customers actually really want the same thing. They want a faster repair. They want it cheaper. They want it better. Um, so... I, I'd love to get involved with a bit of work that actually starts to simplify some of some of that stuff, and you know the work that uh, you know Caps have done has obviously streamlined that to a great extent. But I think there's still, you know, coming from an IT background, there's still a lot of work that, that we can do to help not just the repairer but everybody in the complete supply chain, you know, so that the driver ends up with a great experience at the end of the day, and, and that's what, what what we're really after. I mean, you know, coming out of this. You know, it'll be supply and demand that determines how this one pans out. Um, as we went into it on a personal note, I thought, you know, UP, lots of body shops are going to disappear and there'll be, like, there'll be like, you know, lots of cars to repair and the price will go up and suddenly we'll be, we'll be reaping in £60 an hour. But of course, you know, we've had, a, we've had a, a creep back, of course, you know, as volumes are, are going to climb slowly. So it's a sort of a battle between how many how many repairers are able to make it through and work hard and you know probably remort someone will remortgage their houses to get back through repairing cars as to how many um, vehicles go on the road and it's that supply and demand balance that will ultimately probably determine how it it works out certainly financially for everybody. That's great. Really, really honest and uh, opinion there, John. And um, you know, I, I'm sure you probably weren't the only one thinking thinking that same thing, really, as we went into all of this. And and Gary, from your point of view, um, I, su- I suppose you know, if, if we if we look at a network and managing network perspective, um, you know, what what are you kind of looking for from your repairers right now? Is it that two way communication? Is it you know? open and honest debate, um, you know, ask the questions, pose the questions, let us know what's going on in the business. Yeah, I think all, all of the stuff you've just mentioned there, Mark, realistically, I, I think one of one of the things that's quite important is sort of building a little bit on what Ollie and John have said is we've never had this sort of opportunity before to reevaluate everything that we do and make sure that, you know, as we come out of this, we're the business that we want to be. And the same for everyone, you know, to, to make sure that we've got a platform for the next three to five years as well. I think one of the key things here is, you know, you, you, you go onto LinkedIn or you see a lot of press releases, et cetera, and there's very much a notion of we're all in this together. And I think it will be really interesting to see, and I very hope, very much hope it is that way, to make sure that this is not just some sort of lazy sales slogan and that actually when, when there is difficulty within your supply chain and your partners, whoever it is you're working with, you know, people are pulling together to make sure that we, we all come through this as well. Um, I think the proof will be in the pudding on that and I hope the sort of Chilean spirit that we've got throughout the country at the moment sort of resonates with that as well. I think for us in terms of, of network, uh, you know, we, we're seeing a gradual increase in, in volume and that might spike up over the next few weeks. I think one of the key parts for us is that, you know, we've got a new working normal at the moment, you know, working from home, 
relying upon remote forms of technology, etc. But it perhaps hasn't been stress tested in the way that it needs to be. Uh, you know, we've obviously got reduced volume, we've got reduced staff numbers, and so it's working very well right now. But if we had a 20% increase in volume over the next week, not quite sure how that would work for us internally. And so we're in a process at the moment of trying to, to stress test that. And I think for the network that we manage, we would probably ask the same of them as well, you know, with the you know, new new rules and regulations for these guys around, you know, health and safety and public safety. Um, I think, you know, how, how is that going to affect them when there is a 20% increase in volume and how quickly can they bring staff off furlough, et cetera. So there's a lot to manage for us from an internal perspective, but also through through the network as well. Uh, really interesting. And again, it's something that Dave Mills referenced last week in terms of, I suppose, you know, really trialing and testing things whilst volumes are so low, stress testing the systems, the capabilities. Um, and, you know, I suppose really everyone, we're all talking about a, a significant increase. That's the thing that's the industry's crying out for. But actually, is it more a gradual increase so that we can kind of find our feet in the new norm? It's, uh, it, it's interesting times. Very, very quickly, I'm going to zoom around each of you. Um, priority over the next kind of seven days uh come to you first ollie in terms of business um yeah what in the next week what's kind of the you know real priority for integral and, and where are you kind of you know attentions focused uh so if i look at some parts of our business which is the uh the, the body shop management system side it's helping our customers get back to work um and making sure that they've got the tools to do the job and uh, making sure that we can help them transition back into whether that's 25%, 50% or full run rate. Uh, I think any advice or help that we can give from information that we're seeing, you know, we're, it's you know, the industry will be stronger if we're stronger together. Um, and so if we don't partner up and, and, and bounce stuff off each other, then, um, then we'll come out of this worse. So I think over the next days for me is helping customers get back into some kind of, of good shape and business as usual and then trying to help them anticipate what's coming over the next kind of uh, month or so and so we will bring all the resources that we've got to bear to try and help as many people as we can um, in the spirit of working together. Brilliant thank you very much indeed Ollie and John for you priorities at Pennings over the coming week? Yeah, obviously some site openings, which always take, take a lot of work to uh, get everybody energised and back into work, having sat around in the garden for two months, um, is, is always interesting. Um, I think I might look for an insurer that actually um, has a business interruption clause that actually supports pandemics would be quite a good one because our one our ones certainly drew, drew a blank there. Um, good luck, John. Good luck. <laughs> I know. And um, uh, I shall probably go for my second COVID haircut. Uh, but seriously, um, really making sure that all of our, our staff uh, feel safe and that um, all of the measures we put in have got a good feedback me mechanism so that they know that if they don't feel comfortable, they can come back to us uh, because they are obviously our most valuable asset. And then also working very much on how we can work harder with our customers to provide a really, really great customer experience and do things that you know, perhaps a little bit out of the box from, from before. That, that's, that's what we're up to in the short term. Brilliant. Gary, over to you. Same question. 
Yeah, I think, you know, constant, you know, working work as normal stuff in terms of reviewing volumes and seeing how that's progressing over the week. Uh, I think we're going to have a little look at our working from home model as well. We, we issued a survey out to our staff uh, last week, which we're sort of pulling in the, the results from and sort of taking the pros and cons of our approach. And we'll probably make some tweaks to the way that we, we work based upon the, the feedback that we've got from our staff. Um, we'll continue to talk to some of our partners around the globe as well, trying to get some insights into how this is affecting them and see if there's anything that we haven't considered. Had a really interesting conversation to a co- uh, with a colleague from Australia the other day that said, you know, they've not been as as harshly affected as we have with this. But you know, whilst there's been a similar response in terms of working from home and people not necessarily using their vehicle as much, that has been somewhat counterbalanced by a reluctance to use public transport where you know, any sort of spread of infection is going to be much more rife. So people are using their car to commute to work much more than they would have previously and so there's been a slight counterbalance to that so stuff like that that we can try to glean from some of our partners around the globe will be uh, really key in terms of informing our future strategy as well brilliant well it's uh, fantastic we're a, we're a couple of minutes before time but um Really, uh, any questions that have come through? Um, we've got a request for the CAPS information, so that's from uh, Peter Finn. Peter, we'll, um, we'll sort that out with, with Ollie. Um, lots of comments or chat coming through in support of the comments you guys have made. So uh, I think you've struck a chord with everyone today, uh, certainly in terms of communication, uh, working together, partnerships. Again, it's something that's been mentioned in previous weeks. Uh, Ian Pugh brought it up a few weeks back, a sort of COBRA-type committee. Um, it is something we're, we're looking into. Um, again, just kind of got to enter into these things with, with caution and, I suppose, purpose in making sure that it's, um, you know, aligned correctly, really. But I think, you know, everyone is keen to have those kind of discussions and at least uh, attempt to do something. So um, anyone who is interested, just drop me a line and we'll keep you updated in terms of where we're at. Um, Ollie, lots of comments coming through on your, your, uh, your haircut. I think you've done a good job. Um, probably, as I say, reference one of your colleagues, Adam Lovelock, he'll know who he is. That was a slightly different uh, scenario, so uh, well done there. Uh, John, fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us uh, and all the best to uh, Pennings. Well, what you. a time to uh, open a new site. It's all in the timing. And uh, Gary, thank you very much. Hope you haven't got uh, too much abuse from uh, from all your friends today for uh, for joining us, as you said you would do. So uh, it's been, again, another really insightful uh, conversation. Uh, really appreciate your input and thank you to everybody uh, for joining us. We will see you again, uh, well, next Wednesday. It's become known as Webinar Wednesday now, so we'll, we might as well carry on. And uh, we'll see you all then. Thanks very much indeed, guys. Thanks, Mark. Take Thanks, care. guys. Bye-bye. A great podcast today and again really insightful conversation uh, coming from all three panellists. Really, really good data sets to come out of this. Again, catch up on the webinars online on the I Love Claims website under the webinars tab. Uh, just a little reminder, Motor Claims Festival goes digital this year for the first time. So from the 29th of June to the 3rd of July throughout that week, various webinars uh, and digital interactions taking place. So keep your eyes peeled on all of that. Once again, a huge thank you to our corporate partners and partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Assistance and SMG Response, as well as the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Thanks very much for tuning in and we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Take care everybody.